practicing the way. The premise of this whole series is a desire to be with Jesus, to become like him, and to do the things that he did, and to encounter more of God's love and power and self-discipline in line with our verse for the year. So, as you can see up there with our four sessions that we're doing, our four apps, we're looking at community, uh, solitude, Sabbath, and service. And these were four habits that Jesus had in his life, four things that Jesus loved to do, and four things that his followers, especially in the first generation, picked up and ran with as part of their discipleship, as part of wanting to become like Jesus. So in the first session, we briefly, briefly, very briefly, looked at the practice of community, of being together with one another, about how uh, Jesus' followers understood practicing community and being together and eating together and living together was an essential part of being a follower of Jesus. Remember, they, they pretty much had one bank account. That's a pretty high level of community. But they ate together every day in their homes. They broke bread together. They had everything in common. So your growth potential as an apprentice of Jesus increases exponentially by committing to a path of intentional community. I'll say that again. Your growth potential as an apprentice to Jesus increases exponentially by committing to a path of intentional community. Making sure that you do community in your life. So mission community, Sundays, time with Christian friends. You will grow fast if you commit to those things. And then last week, Phil looked at the practice of solitude, which is really the flip side of community, isn't it? So community, being with people, solitude, being solely with God. We're not talking about empty loneliness. We were talking about sweet fellowship with God. Listening to his voice. Observing where the spirit is blowing. And I loved it when Phil talked about running in the snow. The crazy man. Um, he talked about how the, the wind caught the snow from the trees. And you could see the snow swirling. And it was like, uh, you don't normally see the wind. Really, but something about the way that the wind caught the snow reminded him that the spirit was with us. The spirit is everywhere. The spirit is moving and forming and speaking. So isn't that awesome? That God can use two absolutely opposite things to achieve the same thing in your life, which is Christ-likeness. Solitude and community. Well, the next two practices are similar. We're going to look at service and Sabbath. So work and rest. In a way, they're opposites. You know, they stand uh, against one another. But these are two things that Jesus practiced intentionally. He was an incredibly hard worker. At the same time, he knew how to rest. And he talked a lot about these two things as well. And I think we can learn a lot from Jesus. And I think our generation needs to learn a lot in this area. How many of us find it easy to manage a brilliant work-life balance? Or a work-rest balance? It's hard, isn't it? We've got to fight for it. So if we can achieve this, if we can do this intentionally as a practice, I believe it is a, a, a prophetic witness to our community. So the practice of service, 
That's where we are today. I believe there is no quicker path to joy and contentment and success than the path of service. To take the place of a servant and to live for the praise of God. A servant is someone who seeks the lowest place. Someone who seeks to serve the interests of others. Someone with nothing to lose. If you're not trying to grab for yourself anymore, if you're not trying to build me and my lifestyle and my empire anymore, and actually your life is oriented towards serving others for the praise of God, you can get to a place where you really do have nothing to lose. But in God's economy, you have an awful lot to gain. Jesus surprised everybody in his day with his attitude of service. He really turned the concepts of leadership and authority completely upside down. Isaiah said of Jesus, speaking of the Messiah who was going to come 400 years later, he said this, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. 400 years before Jesus is born, he is described first and foremost as the servant. This is what Paul says of Jesus in Philippians, in that famous song in uh, chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, that describes Jesus' self-emptying. It's just glorious. And I've got it here in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. Uh, Consider the example that Jesus, the Anointed One, set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example. It's all right. Nobody died. He was a perfect example, even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. Because of that obedience, God exalted him and multiplied his He has now been given the greatest of all names. The authority of the name of Jesus causes every knee to bow in reverence. Everything and everyone will one day submit to his name. In the heavenly realm, in the earthly realm, in the demonic realm. And every tongue will proclaim in every language, Jesus Christ is Lord Yahweh. Bringing glory and honour to God, his Father. That's Philippians 2, 5-11. Can you see that there is a paradox here? In the kingdom of God, the more you humble yourself, the more God raises you up. The more you humble yourself, the more God raises you up. The more you commit to serve and take the lowest place, the more you are ready to wield influence and handle honour. The Apostle Peter said something very similar. He said this, humble yourselves yourselves under the mighty hand of God 
and he will raise you up in due time. <coughs> so it's not always instant. In due time, Peter says. It's not always instant, but it is inevitable. You humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and he will raise you up in due time. Let's hear some of the words of Jesus. Jesus said, The greatest among you will be the one who serves others from the heart. Remember this, if you have a lofty opinion of yourself and seek to be honoured, you will be humbled. But if you have a modest opinion of yourself and you choose to humble yourself, you will be honoured. This is a, a, a statement from the king of creation. It's like a divine law written into the fabric of humanity. Greatness in the kingdom is always a race to the bottom. Okay? You can trace the same truth right throughout the Bible. It was said of Moses that he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. That's Numbers 12, verse 3. He was a true servant. Yet it also said that he literally shone with the glory of God. I love that. Sweet obedience as a servant of God and yet radiant with God's glory. Radiant with the honour of God over his life. I love it. He was like a foreshadowing of Jesus. Service and anointing flowing together. Can you feel we're actually treading quite close to God's essential nature? This is who God is. Servant heart. And yet, dripping with glory. Incredible anointing. I can't resist mentioning Billy Graham. Who recently passed into glory at the age of 99. I really want to see that videotape when I'm in heaven. I want to see... What heaven does when this man crosses the threshold and comes home. I want to see the crowds of heaven welcoming him, welcoming him home. Because he has been such an incredible servant of God. And the world is poorer for his going home. Billy Graham grew up a North Carolina farm boy. He was ordained a Southern Baptist minister... And with his extraordinary communication skills, he transformed into being the most influential Christian leader of the 20th century. Billy, as he preferred to be called, was honoured with being described as America's pastor. He was a spiritual advisor to a succession of presidents, and it's estimated that he preached in person to upwards of 300 million people. He was such a great man with such a powerful message and yet his message was so simple. God loves you and you need Jesus. <laughs> that was pretty much the sum total of what Billy used to preach. At his funeral, his oldest son, Franklin Graham, told the funeral congregation, including Donald Trump and Vice President Mike Pence, there weren't two Billy Grahams. He was the same at home as he was in the stadiums. 
Franklin recalled how he and his siblings grew up being taught by their parents how to read scripture aloud and deliver sermons, but also taking quiet walks with their father and receiving his plain spoken wisdom. He said he loved his family. He stood by us. He comforted us. He left an enduring legacy, his uncompromising testimony of God's great love. What a legend. When I think of people that I've been impressed by, those who have lived a really quality life. For me, you've got like talented, influential people. Then you've got like kind, big-hearted people. And then way up there somewhere, you've got anointed servants who have absolutely sold out and lived their life for God, leaving nothing in reserve. People that God has raised up to become a huge blessing because they've given their all. There's a quality to people who have sacrificed everything, who've given everything over to God, and who are really serious about being servants of the Most High. There is a quality to them that is tangible and wonderful. It resembles something of Jesus of Nazareth, if he times it by infinity. There was something about Jesus' yieldedness to his father and his willingness to graft for the poor that when coupled with his authority and his power, it left people stunned and ready to follow him absolutely anywhere. It was magnetic. Jesus, with that as his nature, turned to his followers, which is you and me, And he says in Luke 22, most people in this world are trying to claw and elbow their way to the top, but this is not your calling. Everybody say calling. Calling. This, I believe, is God's calling over our lives. So hear the word of the Lord. He says, you will live and lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honour. The greatest honour and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant heart. The leaders who are served, sorry, the leaders who are served are the most influential in your eyes, but in the kingdom it is the servants who lead. I am not here with you, sorry, am I not here with you as one who serves you? So Jesus is essentially saying, your calling is to be those who serve from the heart without seeking honour from your community, but selling out and doing anything for anyone for the applause of one. Just for the Lord. Jesus promised all of us in the kingdom, that there is special honour and authority reserved for those who live with a true servant heart. And he does not lie. Every single one of us are included. And that's the wonderful thing about this promise. Every single one of us can serve. Jesus said, whoever, everybody say whoever. Whoever wishes to follow me, you can You must be willing to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and then come on, welcome to the apprenticeship. That's my paraphrase of Luke 9.23. 
whoever wishes to follow me, whoever, every single person is included, every single person is qualified, all it takes is an ability to say, not my will, but yours be done. And then come on, you are more than welcome. Martin Luther King, another awesome servant of God, said this, everybody, say everybody, Everybody can be great. Why? Because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart full of grace and a soul generated by love. I love the way Martin Luther King Jr. puts things. Hallelujah. You don't have to be a superhero to serve. Everybody qualifies for the greatest promotion on earth. And that's to be recognized as servants of the King of Love. So what does it look like? Well, it won't look like Billy Graham's call. It won't look like Martin Luther King's call to service either. And it really doesn't need to. What's important is our heart posture. What's important is our approach to the unique life that God has given us. One of the ways to step up in our service of God is to start the day with a vow. Does anyone use Infinitum Life? Yes. There's a few people that have the Infinitum Life app. I don't know, I'm talking about apps a little bit, but the Infinitum Life app and the Infinitum Life concept is is a rich one, and I want to commend it to you. Uh, This person, uh, Daniel Strickland, another amazing servant of God, uh, someone that has given her whole life over to serving God in whatever way that God has called her to. She's been very radical in the way that she's orientated her life around God's call. She was part of a team that developed this thing called Infinitum Life. And what it is really is just a way of orientating your life for service and discipleship. So at the heart of Infinitum Life, there is a vow that you would take at the beginning of every day that comes along with some hand postures. I wonder if we could do it together. Um, Maybe you could stand uh, and I'll lead you through it. Okay, so, so this starts, this battle starts with your hands in the air like this. So put your hands up. And it really is a, a starting with surrender. It's basically saying, God, I, everything that I've got to do today, I really don't have this. I don't have this in hand. I can't do it on my own. I really need you. I surrender my gifts. I surrender my diary. I surrender my family. I just commit everything to you. I need you in every area of my life. I surrender. I surrender my ambitions. I surrender my hopes. I surrender my dreams. I surrender my life right now at the beginning of this day. You start with surrender. Now put your hands out like this. The next part is generosity. And we say, Lord, we need your generosity. Would you fill my life today with everything that I need for this day? Let the fruit of your spirit flow into my life right now. I need your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I need the grace that is in you to go about my day. Let your grace 
freely come to me, that I may freely receive, and then be generous and live open-handed with your grace with people this day. And now put your hands out like this. And this is about service or mission. Lord, with my life surrendered and walking by your grace and your generosity, now let them come. Let them come. Let them come. Let everybody who you need me to minister to come. Let me be generous today. Let me welcome all comers. Let me take on every challenge of the day because I'm ready to serve you. My life is not about me. It is about you. Let them come. You can sit down. That is the way many people in the Christian community are starting their day, just with a simple vow. And, you know, the words I've used are just my words, but actually it's really just surrender, receiving and being willing to give generosity, and then mission or service, saying, God, my life is about serving you today. What a great way to start the day, with a vow. But you know what? I also want to say that service starts at home. It really does start at home. In fact, everything in the spiritual life is, begins and is tested at home, amongst your nearest and dearest. Another great servant of God. This is Mark Batterson. He said this, I want to be respected most by those who know me best. I like that. Do you like that? I want to be respected most by those who know me best. And most of the world's most influential believers have said something similar. Here's another one. Another one of my heroes. Another great servant of God. Another light uh, that has gone from the Christian world. But my goodness, what a legacy Derek Prince left us. I love this man. If you want to know how Christ-like a man is, look at his wife. Obviously, you can flip that round. Uh, if you want to know how Christ like a woman is look at her husband I suppose what a challenge to husbands and wives maybe we could also say look at the kids if you're single we we could swap in closest friends in there but actually if you want to know how Christ like a person is look at their nearest and dearest because they can be amazingly impressive on the veneer of the outside and when they're in the public arena But if at home their family is miserable and they're grumpy and they are uh, undisciplined and their character is not holding up in in the secret place behind closed doors, it doesn't really mean very much at all, does it? You haven't really begun to understand what Jesus meant by becoming a servant. The goal is to be as consistent as we possibly can in our commitment to be there for people, to readily sacrifice time, attention, practical support, spontaneity and affection as a lifestyle, and to do so as an offering to God, even when we are tired and stressed and grumpy. God help us. Is that your goal? I recommend a daily prayer for help. I think we need that. Okay, what about work? What about your workplace? Thank God we live in an age where to serve the Lord isn't uh, synonymous with working in an explicitly Christian context. You know we're all called to full-time Christian ministry, right? We are. 
The word translated ministry in the New Testament simply means service. It's right, it's exactly what we're talking about today. Your ministry or your service to God is whatever God has trained your hands to do. I have a ministry as a pastor of an awesome local church. Your ministry or service to God may be in the classroom or in the operating theatre or in the building site or at the school gates. The key is to do whatever you do wholly and passionately for him. Colossians 3.23 says, Put your heart and soul into every activity you do. Put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. I believe that when we take this motivation for our work as doing it for the Lord first and foremost, we do whatever we do better. I believe that we get better at anything when we're doing it unto the Lord. I believe we strive for an excellence because we're, we're also flowing out of a place of love. We're flowing out of relationship, out of a place of service to God. We will always go further. I believe that you'll be the one bringing something extra to the table with whatever your work is. Going the extra mile. Giving generously to whoever asks of you. Forgiving offences. Turning the other cheek. These are all Jesus' phrases, by the way. What Jesus is telling us to do is this. Step outside the contract. Whatever it is, whether it's a, ver- a written contract or whether it's an, uh, uh, an unspoken contract of what is expected of you. As a person, as a friend, at home, in the workplace. We're particularly thinking about in the workplace at the moment. When you work for God, when you work out of worship, when you work out of love for who God has made you to be, you step beyond the contract. You're not confined by your job description. So don't serve the Lord by doing the bare minimum to satisfy your job description. Don't serve the Lord continually asserting your rights with a sense of entitlement. Do what you do with passion and without complaining because primarily you're working for him, for the praise and the approval of one. That's what it means to serve the Lord, to be in full-time Christian ministry. Do what you do in that way. So maybe this week we can meditate on this. What does it look like to be the servant of all in your context? Just think about that for a moment. What if you were to go about anything you did as the greatest servant in your arena, whatever it was? What would it look like? Who do you know in your place of work that you have noticed is a true servant on the team? And what is it that that marks them out as a true servant? I believe this is something that should make us distinctive as Christians. And I believe that if we ask the Lord, he will show us ways that we can serve lower in our context. And the Lord will raise us up. 
Finally, what about your church? As pastor here, I've got a particular vantage point where I can see how people are serving across the church. And it is just humbling. People giving up their time, their talents, their treasure to support what God is doing through us as a body. It's amazing. And do you know what? The church across this town is the biggest volunteer force that this town has. It's, it's amazing the amount of volunteer power that the church has across this town. And why is that? Because we've all signed up to be servants. That's, what, that's like step one of the Christian life. Whoever wishes to save their life will lose it. Whoever gives their life up for my sake will find it. Now come, follow me. That's step one. And because that is written into who we are as Christians, we, are, we become the best volunteers in any town. Right across the UK, any town, you look at the biggest volunteer base, and it is always the Christians. It's amazing. We have all signed up to an apprenticeship to Jesus, to live beyond the contract. Service is right in our DNA. So serving the Lord through his body is a delight to God. He loves it. When we serve together, Jesus is best seen and understood by a watching world. There's something about when the body comes together with all its various skills and talents, all your attributes, and we come and work as one body, it becomes incredibly powerful to a watching world. Jesus is suddenly seen. So find a way to serve the church. Find a way to get involved. If you're stuck for ideas, I, I can give you some. <laughs> There's always something to be done. So I want to encourage you this morning, sell out for Jesus. Turn your home into your training ground. Turn your work into worship. Bless your church community with your best. And may you feel the delight of your Father and the unspeakable joy of being found in his service.